Y'all know what time it is. It's time for the Show of All podcast. You know who I am and what I do. Rob Shaw, a.k.a. The Pod God, a.k.a. Harry Potter. And once again, we are blessed by not just another great basketball mind, but another great Twitter name. We had Max on of the MVP podcast, Elite Name. And then this is in my top five Twitter names of all time. Rich Homie Flom. Love it. Thanks for having me on and, and appreciate the, the Twitter handle love. Oh man. Like every time I like see you pop up on my timeline, um, vanilla by fabulous and rich homie Quan comes to my mind where he's just like, it's just fat. It's where fab like rich homie tell him. Like every time that is immediately where my mind goes. <laughs> And I'm just like, yo, I'm going to have Rich Homie on. He's going to tell us about the Clippers. Rich Homie, tell him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm honored uh, <laughs> to be included with, uh, with Rich Homie Kwan. My, uh, I would say my namesake, but that's not quite right. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Clippers are, uh, they, they did a lot of stuff this summer. They did, a, they did a whole lot. They resigned a bunch of dudes. They brought in some dudes. Um, they've really, they've overturned almost their entire team in two years, um, which is pretty crazy. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot to talk about. All right. So first things first, the additions that I had as notable ones Mm -hmm. and notable might be strong for some of these, but like I have (laughs) soft spots for some of these guys. (laughs) Um, Eric Bledsoe is the big one. Mm -hmm. Um, Keon Johnson, uh, the 21st overall pick. Um, Jason Preston has uh, one, I think the kid can play, but he also has uh, a story that blew up nationally. Uh, I want to say they, was it Ohio state? They beat earlier in the season last year. They beat somebody in his story of going from like a five, six kid who didn't play varsity to, yeah. then he went to the, another school and hit a growth spurt and wound up as a division one prospect, but he was going for journalism, which is always something me and you were going to respect. Like, yep. Oh, a journalism major, eh? <laughs> so, but I do think he can play, and I don't know if he contributes this year, but I have him in the notable ads. I was around when Harry Giles only had one bad knee, mm. and that guy was so good at Peach Jam, and that was when he only had one knee, and now he has no knees. But like, it's tough. If that kid would have kept two knees. He's probably a perennial NBA all-star. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not, I was not, I've never been into high school basketball like that. I've, I've seen some of the, you know, the YouTube mixtapes and, and all that sort of stuff, but I, I wouldn't say I've seen any of his games live or even, really even any of his full games. But I mean, he's somebody who is actually competing with Isaiah Hartenstein for that third center spot. Um, I know, you know, Harry is a much bigger name than Hartenstein, uh, certainly because of kind of the high school hype, the Duke hype. Um, But Hartenstein has probably been better in their NBA careers. It's it's, you know, it's pretty close. It's it's comparable. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're basically at the same level. And I think you could lean either way. You know, Harry, I think, still would have more upside. You know, he has kind of a more diverse skill set. Uh, Isaiah Hardenstein, probably a little bit more solid defensively. Um, somebody who could probably count on a little bit more just for, you know, eight minutes a game. Um, 
Whereas, you know, Giles is, is a little bit more of just like a, a, a bit of an upside play, I guess. Boomer bust. Yeah. Yeah. So and they're going to be duking out in training camp. I think Clippers fans are, are really excited. You know how fans get fans always get excited about the littlest things on the roster. It's never like we're bringing in, you know, Russell Westbrook for the Lakers. It's like we signed Malik Monk and it's like they get all excited about that. Um, so it's kind of like that with the Clippers, I think. And that's really the only training camp battle. Um, There's some other guys like Moses Wright and George King, but they're, they're not going to make the roster. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think of, you know, outside of the guys you mentioned, the only other addition is, is Justice Winslow. And he's on my list. Uh, MBJ yeah. Boston, but that's probably because in my mind, I graduated from Kentucky. <laughs> I remember talking about this with you uh, last year. Yeah, I mean, both those guys are, are interesting. I mean, Boston certainly has a, has a ton of talent. I don't think any of the rookies are really going to get much playing time this year. Um, you know, even with Kawhi Leonard out there, a lot of veterans on the roster, the Clippers might not be trying to win a championship, but they're still, you know, they're trying to be a playoff team. And I don't know how many minutes they're going to give to like these really young guys. Cause all the rookies are, are pretty young. Jason Preston's the oldest. I think he's like 21, but Boston Keon Johnson are both 19 and they look 19. Like they are, they're skinny. Um, they, even in summer league, they were getting pushed around by some of the older players and, I just, I don't really see any of them. And, and Winslow is another boomer bust guy. Like, I mean, he's been pretty terrible the past couple of years, but he was good a few years ago. He's a guy who's still not really that old. He's recovering from some pretty major injuries. So, I mean, they took a lot of upside stabs, which is not what they've done the past couple of years. And it's, it's interesting because the roster could be really deep if some of these guys pan out, or it could be not so deep if they don't. So we're on the same page here. In my notes, I have all the ads listed. And then I literally have got younger and upside. Yeah. And, yeah. That's yeah. And it's, it's funny because maybe it was me and you that were talking about this, but I was talking to somebody and it's definitely been a thing that the Clippers haven't developed much internal talent. Mm-hmm. And, and then you get the big Terrence man, quasi 40 ball like the almost 40 ball (laughs) like the 30 piece the 39 piece mcnugget like they dropped one nugget out of the fryer and it didn't make his pack but like that one i thought he was very good early in the play like before he blew up in the playoffs yeah before that game i thought man every time this guy's getting minutes it's been good Mm -hmm. but i think like 39 on on the big stage is also going to just boost your national profile and i think it's given the clippers a little bit of well this is somebody that they developed internally and i guess you have to give them credit because i thought towards the end of the season he was good and earlier in the playoffs like not that he was i, I i'm never gonna say i was like hey Kawhi's going down watch out for terrence Mann, him in daily <laughs> fantasy but i knew that he could play yeah i mean i think the thing with, with Terrence is he's really their only win like that in recent years, unless you count, you know, SGA, who was only on the team for one year and was, you know, a very high-ranked um, lottery pick who everybody knew was probably going to be pretty good. I don't think anybody really thought he'd be this good this quickly. I mean, he's, he's a star um, and and just in his third year. But, you know, the, the other guys they've drafted later on have not worked out at all. Uh, you look at Fiondu Cavangeli, who was drafted – at the same in the same draft as Terrence Mann from the same school, actually, um, and was taken about 20 picks higher 
complete bust. Daniel Oturu, who they took in last year's draft, very high in the second round, complete bust. And these are guys who they gave up on after just a single year. Like not even Jerome Robinson, are you? Uh, Jerome, uh, Jerome. You guys Uh, are Jerome Robinson? Jerome was, yeah, he was, he's out of the NBA now, I think. And like, he got traded to Washington. He was one of you guys. He was like a lottery pick. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was he was on the Clippers for a year and a half. Um, but that was it's actually funny because he did develop a little. Oh, no, I lost you for a second. There's like a storm going on. All right. Uh, but yeah, Jerome Robinson was a um, was a Clipper and he's somebody who did develop a little bit with the team, but they also bailed on him after a year and a half. And that was I mean, he was the 13th pick. That was a super high profile draft failure. So, yeah, I mean, Terrence Mann, I think maybe you're right in that, like his success gave the Clippers a a bit of hope that like, look, we can develop these guys. And his success, you know, was huge for the Clippers, as you noted. I mean, he was a, a gigantic reason they beat the Jazz and having guys who are cheap and young like that and have that upside is important for contending teams. It was, it was one of the reasons lob city didn't work out. I think that might've been what we were discussing in our last pod is like, you know, they didn't draft very many players because they traded all their picks and the guys they did, they did draft did not pan out. And so they were always old and they had to rely on these washed up veterans. Like they brought in like Hito Turkoglu and Danny Granger and Grant Hill, all of them like way, way, way past their primes. Anybody um, that ever gave Doc, Re- Doc Rivers team buckets. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All these like Eastern Conference all-stars of like the late 2000s, except it was like eight years later. So getting drafting these young guys and trying to get younger and more athletic is I think is a really good move, even if you aren't necessarily a huge fan of all the picks. I like all the picks. Um, but like, I, I think the overall concept of getting younger, adding more athleticism and upside is, is a good thing because last year, even though they were really good, they were old and slow a lot of the time. And Terrence Mann was a guy who injected a lot of energy and athleticism. And it was, it was a big difference when he was on the court, as you said, even in the regular season, he was really good. All right. Any big subtractions? I have DeMarcus cousins and obviously Pat Beverly. Is there anybody else that's gone? That- so Rondo, uh, True. Rajon Rondo is gone. Um, and not really. I mean, they traded Lou Williams before the playoffs last they traded year. traded him to Atlanta, yeah. Yeah, for Rondo. But no, I mean, it's really, they they subbed out Beverly and uh, and Rondo to bring in Bledsoe. Um, and then they kind of shuffled the end of the, the roster a little bit by, you know, Oturu was included as well in that deal. And they drafted the three young guys. Um, and then... Giles and Winslow. Yeah. And then they, um, you know, and then they let Cousins go. They let Yogi Ferrell go. Like a lot of these kind of bottom of the roster kind of guys. Yogi Ferrell played in like two games for them. Um, but yeah, that's the biggest subtraction is is Pat Beverly by a huge, huge margin. What are your thoughts on uh, adding Bledsoe? I'm okay with it. I, you know, I, I wasn't against it. I wasn't like, oh, this is terrible. And I wasn't like, wow, this is amazing. I thought it was, it was fine. I, I completely see why they did it. Um, you know, I love Pat Beverly, but his biggest issue is he's always injured, always injured. And, um, as he's getting older, that's not going to stop. Eric Bledsoe, um, is mostly pretty durable. Um, and in a year without Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers need to count on guys. They need to have guys who will show up and play in games. And you just don't know that with Pat Beverly. Um, so even though I think Pat Beverly might be a better fit alongside both Kawhi and Paul George because of his shooting, which is an area Bledsoe does not have. 
Uh, Bledsoe's, you know, his reliability and his ability to create offense is, is more impactful with Kawhi Leonard out. So I thought it was a solid move. I, I didn't think it was amazing. I, I I will miss Pat Beverly. I think most Clippers fans will. Um, but Bledsoe should be a very nice backup point guard for them. And he's a former Clipper, and a lot of fans still have really fond memories of him. So I think it's been nice for a lot of people to have, you know, Bledsoe back in a Clippers uniform. I forgot that Bled was a Clipper. Yeah. That's where first... he was drafted. Oh, my God, I forgot about that. Yeah, his first four four years with the Clippers. Yeah, I think four years. Yeah, and all the talk was, oh, when this guy finally gets a team, he's been learning from uh, Chris Paul. Yeah. Oh man, I forgot about this. this yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Okay. Um, what are your expectations with the Kawhi injury? Do you not expect to see him at all this season? I'm I'm a huge pessimist. I am not expecting to see him, but there are plenty of people with good reason to think he will come back sometime this year. Um, there's still not been a ton revealed outside of the fact that he tore his ACL to some extent, well, not tore, that he had an ACL sprain uh, to some extent and required ACL surgery. There are different kinds of ACL surgery. I don't think it's really been revealed which one he had, um, which does matter. And really, since he had the surgery, which is at this point a couple months ago, I don't think there's been any sort of update regarding progress. He's showed up to various things. There was that video a couple of days ago at the uh, the Clippers' new stadium where he was there with Paul George, and neither of them looked, you know, super excited. Um, but uh, you know, I, I don't think he's really. There have been any updates, so I think you know the Clippers just resigned him to a a huge extension. Um, Four years, one hundred and seventy six. Yeah. And when you make that kind of investment, you want to be cautious with it. Um, and I, I think Kawhi Leonard and his camp notoriously have been very cautious with his injuries going back to his days with the Spurs, which is one of the reasons why he left the Spurs. Um, and I just I can't see him, his family, his agent, the team. I don't think any of them want to rush him back. I mean, I think if he's ready, I don't think he's going to sit out like if he's healthy and he feels ready. I don't think they're just going to be like, you're out the entire year. Don't come back. But I think they are going to be very cautious. And, you know, honestly, even if he does come back, he's not going to be 100 percent. He'll need to work his way back into shape. And I just, you know, I think trying to ramp him up for a playoff run and really trying to put a lot of stress on him is, is a bad idea. So I tend to think that he'll be out the entire year or he'll come back very late and have like a very part time kind of thing where maybe he'll play like 20 minutes a game. It'll take back to backs off and he'll just kind of get back into game shape. Uh, a little bit, but really will not be going a hundred percent. All right. That, that makes sense, especially given his history. Like, I don't think we're going to see Kawhi run back into the burning building. No, no. I mean, and I, I don't really want him to, like, I think, you know, he and Paul George are right in their primes, maybe, you know, a little bit towards the end of their primes. Um, you know, Paul George is going to be turning 32 next year. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, I believe, is turning 30 this year. He just turned 30. So, I mean, they're they're starting to get to the point where they're probably going to start seeing age-related decline. Um, but at the same time, you Kawhi's game and, and Paul George's game are ones that should age pretty well. Um, neither of them, especially on offense, are hugely reliant on athleticism. Uh, they're both so tall, they can really shoot over guys. Uh, Kawhi is just so strong, he can just bully people. Um, so I, I think, you know, maybe taking a year off is not, it's not great. It's not ideal, uh, but it's also not like a devastating blow. I don't think. All right. So with, so not expecting to see Kawhi most of the year. Yeah. Are Reggie Jackson is Reggie Jackson shooting real? 
and is Terrence Mann post Kawhi injury real? Are both of those things from the playoffs sustainable? The Reggie Jackson thing is really interesting. I mean, I think his playoff performance is not sustainable because he was bananas in the playoffs. I mean, it, it's the best he's ever played in his entire life. Um, I think he might even tell you that. Um, and I don't think he'll really play that well again. But I mean, I think his if you're looking purely at his three-point shooting, since his last year and a half with the Pistons, I actually just wrote about this last week, I think. He's been a, a pretty good three-point shooter on high volume. Yeah, When you go back to the 2018-19 season, um, he was 37% from three on 5.7 attempts a game, which is pretty high volume. And, you know, 37% is not amazing, but that's pretty good. And then since then, he's shot the ball 39% and last year 43% also on solid volume. So, like, I think he's like a, a 37, 38% three-point shooter at worst on, on good volume. So, yeah, like, to that extent, I think it's legit. I mean, you know, 45% on like seven attempts a game. I don't think he's going to do that again, but I think he's, he's a legit outside three point shooter, especially um, off the catch. And then Terrence Mann, I think is, is just good. Um, like you said, he started coming on even in the regular season. Um, one of the reasons why the Clippers surged down the stretch is that they started playing him more. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't know if he's going to be dropping 30 point games all the time, but uh you know, he's confident. He's really strong. He's a good finisher around the rim. He has some ball handling and playmaking abilities. He's a, he's an energetic defender. He has good size. So yeah, like, I mean, I, I don't know if he'll be a star, but I think he's a guy who can definitely pick up some of the slack with Kawhi out in terms of playmaking and, and creating a little bit of offense. So I don't know if this is always him or the role he'll always envision himself as but like you mentioned, it was an older Clippers team and the one thing you noticed about him was it was almost like Hey, the young guy's going to come in and bring energy. He'll run through a wall. Like he played mm -hmm. with an elite motor. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, he's even going back to his days at FSU. That's something you can always see with Terrence man. Um, very energetic plays with a lot of activity. And that's something that they'll need again with Pat Beverly gone, who was that guy for the Clippers for four years. Um, and they're going to miss that. You know, I think Eric Bledsoe when he's right has a little bit of that as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, Terrence, I, he's going to be playing big minutes this year. And uh, I think the Clippers will really need his his energy and athleticism. All right. My next question is, without Kawhi out, should I put some money on Paul George for MVP? He's plus 3,600. It's uh, <laughs> 36 is kind of all right. Those are good odds. Those are really good. I mean, in terms of if you're just looking at odds, those are amazing odds, right? He was third in MVP voting a couple years ago. Um you know, I would not put money on it just because like as as great as he is, I just there are players in the NBA who are just better than him. Like, I, mm -hmm. I just don't think he'll win. Like, will he beat Giannis or Nikola Jokic or Kevin Durant for MVP? Like, I I don't see it. Um, the Clippers would have to have an amazing year. And I mean, I think he can be that good. Like his last year in OKC, he was legit like a top five MVP level player. Um, but that's still not winning. And you know, I don't know if he'll be that good, quite that good again. So in terms of just odds, if you're like put $10 on something that like could win, like, sure. Uh, if you're betting big, I, I I don't think I'd put more than like, you know, uh, maybe like 20 or something, but um, I, I would not put money on him to win MVP. All right. What are some things you liked uh, from Ty Lue in his first year as the Clippers coach? A lot. Um, a lot. I think. The biggest difference between him and Doc Rivers was uh, flexibility and and willingness to adapt quickly. Um, 
Doc is a guy who once he likes something, he sticks with it. He rides, he goes down with the ship, right? You know, he loved Montresero. Montresero was a sixth man of the year for the Clippers. Um, not last year, two years ago. It was only a year ago that they were in the bubble, but that was two seasons ago somehow. Um, you know, and even though he was really bad against the Nuggets in the playoffs, even though it was obvious to every single person watching, it was obvious to the Nuggets, he just could not play against Nikola Jokic. Uh, Doc kept playing him because it's that was his guy. Like, he liked Montrezl Harrell. Montrezl was really good for the Clippers. Um, Ty Lue would not do that. You know, he showed in the regular season and the playoffs, like, this is not working. I'm not doing this anymore. Um, he would start each playoff series kind of reverting a little bit to more of a standard rotation, standard strategy, but then within a game or two would shift. Um, you know, think going small against the Mavs and especially against the Jazz where, uh, you know, they started playing a ton of Nick Batum and Marcus Morris at center rather than Avica Zubats or, or any other big men. Partially it was because Serge Ibaka got injured and, you know, they, his hand was forced, but it was also something where he leaned into it. And same with Terrence Mann. Like Terrence Mann was playing over guys like, uh, Rajon Rondo, who was this big acquisition they made. He's, you know, an, an NBA legend. I, I don't really think of him like that, but he's he's a guy with a ton of credentials and he helped the Lakers win a championship the previous year. And Tyloo benched him for a lot of the playoffs because he was terrible. Um, Doc Rivers would just not have done that. Um, and I think that flexibility and, and willingness to change is, is his are his best attributes. Um, as well as I think he was a better kind of locker room leader than than Doc was. Are there any things, uh, we don't have to say disliked, uh, what are some things you'd like to see improved in year two? I think the defense, um, you know, I know that's not all on Ty Lue, like he has defensive coordinators, you know, but I think the Clippers defense was oftentimes not as good as his personnel should have been. Um, especially to start the year, they were just bad defensively for the first couple months of the year. And while they were able to get the ship righted towards, you know, down the stretch in, in the playoffs, um, that cost them in the standings when they lost games, they should have won because their defense was just not up to par. Um, I don't, it's partially a scheme thing. I think that, you know, they, they can be a little bit more flexible and, and versatile and switch schemes more in game as well as just, you know, in a playoff series. Um, but I would like to see more of an emphasis placed on defense. Like we know, even without Kawhi Leonard, they're going to have a really good offense because Paul George is an amazing offensive player. They have a really good system in place. He's proven that he can coach, you know, great offense. I, I want to see more of an emphasis on defense this year. All right. What happened to Jay Scrub? I mean, he was just, he was injured the entire year. Um, he had a foot injury. Um, he played in like the last two regular season games. Um, and then... Uh, didn't play at all in the playoffs, I don't think, and uh, played in summer league. Um, so yeah, it was it was kind of just a red shirt for him. He had a foot injury and he sat out the entire year. The Clippers knew he had the injury and they took him anyway. Uh, so they they like him. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it's hard to know what to expect. I mean he technically he's been on the team for a year. He has NBA exposure. Like he's trained with these guys. He's practiced with these guys. That matters. Like he's definitely more experienced than a rookie. But he also has like no NBA in-game reps and really I don't think he even played in the G League so he really barely even has any professional level reps so he's like somewhat ahead of where a rookie should be but like really this is this is kind of his rookie year all right so don't sell all my stock yet no I mean I, I think again like just like with Keon and Boston and, and Preston it'll be hard for him to crack the rotation um, but he can definitely score the question with him you know is how much other stuff can he do can he play defense can he rebound can he make plays for others he can absolutely score 
Um, he has a lot of tools in his arsenal. Um, he's a good one-on-one player. You know, he's quick. Um, it sometimes it looks like he can shoot. Other times it's a little bit shakier. Um, so I, I wouldn't sell all your stocks certainly, but I also wouldn't really expect him to play a huge role this year. All right. Who are our starters this year in for the Clippers? That's a great question because we don't really know. Um, I think there are kind of two different ways that the Clippers might go. You can pencil in four players, um, which is Reggie Jackson at point guard, Paul George at small forward, Marcus Morris at power forward, and Avicii Zubats at center. I think those guys are going to start. Um, Serge Ibaka started a lot of last year before he got injured, but I think Zoo won the starting spot with his play down the stretch into the playoffs. Serge is still recovering from a back injury. I, I think they're going to try to limit his minutes. Um, you know, Paul George obviously going to start. I think, you know, you could argue Bledsoe over Reggie Jackson, but again, after Reggie's play in the playoffs and just his familiarity, I think he's going to start. And then Marcus Morris is a guy who's just a, a very stable guy to have in, in that spot. Um, the question then is the last spot, the fifth spot. And I think there are really very many different ways they could go with it. I mean, I could see as many as four different players starting in that last spot. Um, if they wanted to go really, really defense heavy and wanted to be a bit bigger, um, I think you could start Justice Winslow there. I don't think they will. I think he's probably the least likely. Um, if you want to go the other way, really power up on shooting and offense, Luke Kennard is an option, uh, more of a traditional shooting guard. Um, you could go big and switch heavy with Nick Batum. I mean, I think he's the best player of these guys, but I think just based on rotation patterns, having him and Morris and George together is a little weird. I don't know how rotations would work. Um, So I don't think he will start because of that reason. And then the last option is Terrence Mann. And I think Terrence Mann will probably be the fifth starter, Um, but it could be the other three. Honestly, theoretically could even be Eric Bledsoe. I'm starting two point guards together. It's something the Clippers have done in the past. Um, my money would be on man, but really any of the others, it would not be shocking. We, we really just don't know at this point. All right. So things I like that you said, if, if it's not Bledsoe, like there's no way in, in my mind, there's no way that Bledsoe could upseat Jackson for the starting point guard. I think Jackson has too much social cachet within the locker room. Like he's earned his stripes with those guys. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And also, I mean, it doesn't hurt that he's very, very, very good friends with Paul George. I mean, I think that's part of why he came to the team in the first place. But I mean, certainly after his playoff performance, I think everybody in the on in the locker room, I think the coaching staff, the front office, I think they all trust Reggie. Reggie Jackson was a buyout guy last year, right? How did the year guys- before. Yes, he it was the year of the bubble. It's so hard. It's it, it happens to me all the time, man. I, it's like because it was only a year and a half ago, but it was two seasons, seasons ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he was the 2020 season and he was he was signed like seven games before the lock before the COVID shutdown and then he played in the bubble. Reggie Jackson has a case for like Bill Simmons always like makes fun of how uh, excited people get about the buyout market and how it's like never actually good yielded like a real impact player. Reggie Jackson is like case study one for Look, the Clippers were dead in the water without him after Kawhi went down. Like, mm-hmm. he was a real impact uh, buyout guy. 
Yeah, I mean, you could argue that he didn't make much of an impact in his year that he was acquired off the buyout. I mean, I think he still helped the Clippers, especially in the regular season before the the lockdown. He was a, a useful player for them. Um, but like, I, yeah, I mean, I think a year of adjusting and getting to know the team. But I mean, if you just count him as the Clippers got him in the first place off a of buyout. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge win. It's an incredible <laughs> guy to get on the minimum for a buyout. All right. Um, I think it's going to – I forgot you guys had Luke Kennard. That might be – I just feel like he's a very safe play at shooting guard. Mm-hmm. Like he he fills out the lineup in a very traditional way. Um, Terrence Mann is probably the – he's the high upside, the let's, let's go out with our energy and our fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other you mentioned Batum, I think Batum just makes it too big and clunky, like you said, between him and Morris. I don't really worry about Paul George, but like the three of them together is probably an awkward fit to start most games. Yeah, I mean, I think that lineup could be very good. But like, yeah, like you said, I think it makes substitution patterns a little awkward. Like, who are they bringing in? off the bench for one of them like is it Winslow but then they would need two other forwards and their roster's a little light on forwards like uh yeah I I don't think it's gonna be Batum even though I think that lineup will play certainly with Kawhi Leonard out I think like that big lineup will happen um but I do think it's more likely that those guys play together again when the Clippers go small and they do something like Reggie Jackson Terrence Mann Paul George Nick Batum Marcus Morris which was their playoff playoff lineup with uh with Kawhi out it's fun, like, watching some of these guys grow into just solid NBA players. Like, not everybody becomes a superstar, mm-hmm. but I would say – I would venture to say that Marquise and uh, Marcus Morris are, like, the true definition of be a star in your role. Yeah, I mean, I think especially Marcus. I mean, the, the Morris students are fascinating because at various points in their career, one has been better than the other. Um, like I think Marcus started out better and then Markeith was better for a while. And now Marcus is much better. Um, but yeah, like I, I think the Clippers, I was not a fan of that trade. Um, and I think they did overpay for him, uh, but he's been good for the Clippers. He's been, you know, a very steady presence. He's almost always available. He doesn't get injured much. He's, you know, a lockdown shooter and he's a solid defender. So like, yeah, I mean, I think you can really pencil him in at, at the starting power forward spot. I mean, I think he's the second most sure option behind Paul George, like um, to be absolutely be in the starting lineup um, though. I think Reggie and Zoo will be there as well, but yeah, like Mar- Marcus Morris has been good for the Clippers and um, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I think he will play probably 30, 30 plus minutes and he might be the second option on offense. I think Reggie will have the ball more, um, but I think when the Clippers need, you know, shots late in the clock. I think Morris is probably going to be their their number two guy behind Paul George this season. And he loves that. Let me tell oh, you, he like, loves that, that is a dude who relishes, you know, late in the clock, I'll shoot it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's funny because they're usually not great efficiency shots, but because of how big and strong he is, he can get them off. Like he can get a shot off against almost anybody and it's really valuable. Um, so I, I think he will, he's going to be having a very happy season this year because I, I think he's going to be, he's going to be shooting a lot early and often, I think, Marcus Morris. Um, what are your ex- what's a good season for the Clippers, like realistic expectations wise? I, again, I'm a little bit more pessimistic than some Clippers fans. I think, uh, you know, if you're just talking record 82 games, like I think, you know, 48 and 34 would be awesome. I don't, I don't know if they even get there, but like I think they could. 
Um, Paul George is really great. They have a, a solid cast of veterans. They have some young guys with upside. If one of them breaks out, um, it could be interesting. Ty Lue is an awesome coach. Uh, that always helps. The rest of the coaching staff is good. Um, so, I mean, if, if I had to guess, I would say like 46 and 36 maybe as the record um, and maybe like seventh in the East in in the West. Like, I think that's a solid season. Like you're, you're a few games over 500. You make the playoffs. Um, you fight hard in the first round. You probably lose to one of the top seeds. And like without Kawhi Leonard, if Kawhi is out the entire year, I think that's a perfectly, perfectly good season. Um, the key I think on if Kawhi is out will be less on the record and on, even on the playoffs and more on the young guys. Like does Terrence Mann take a step forward? Does Luke Kennard develop? Does, you know, Vita Zubots do any of those rookies or, or Jay Scrub like really break out? Because um, those are the guys who are going to matter when Kawhi Leonard comes back next year and for years to come. Like, can any of those guys be like true cornerstones alongside George and Kawhi? And I think this season will be go a long way to showing who, who will be part of the Clippers future plans. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the man himself at Rich Homie Flom on Twitter, the managing editor at 213 Hoops. Um, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, you mentioned an article about Reggie Jackson you wrote last week. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I'm just, if you go to 213 Hoops, we're just doing our player previews. I'm doing probably like half of them. Um, so I did one on Keon Johnson today. I have another one going up on Amir Coffee, who we did not discuss. I mean, I, I don't think he's really going to play that much uh, tomorrow. And I will be doing the Terrence Mann one, which will come out on Friday. And that one is going to be pretty in-depth because I think he's kind of the most uh, intriguing player on the Clippers. Oh, I need, I need parts of that. I got to get, I can't wait to read that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to write it. Um, I'm, I'm really, really excited for Terrence Mann this year. And um, yeah, so just stay tuned for that, I guess. But just go to the site and we have tons of uh, player previews up right now. All right. Uh, I really do appreciate your time. Once again, that's Rich Homie Flom on Twitter, and he's my go-to guy for the Clippers. Thank you once again. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Really appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Shaw's Law Podcast, and like that, we out.